Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Welcome to Minisode 49 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I am Andy Stewart, your friend and a man who is extremely tired today. Same, actually, yeah. <laughs> so let's see how much of this we can pull out. Let's give ourselves a shake and summon up the energy that we're known for. Yeah, game face on, man. How you been? Apart from tired. I've been okay, man. Uh, it's nice to have you back in the room. Yes, yeah, it is nice to be back. Yep, yep, I, I did miss you. Uh-huh. Although I did see you last night uh, in Edinburgh. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Worth a mention, I think, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> went to a gig. Yeah, we went to a gig together, yeah. yeah. Which is which was uh, unplanned, which is fun. And um, with a peculiar story attached. Yeah, so basically when we were here recording the episode we're going to tell you about later, um, <laughs> I said I was going to a gig in Edinburgh on Friday, you said you were also going to a gig in Edinburgh on Friday with your mum, <laughs> uh, to which I said, oh, it's probably not the same show. As it turns out, it was. It was very much the same show, yeah. It was an Australian punk band press club. Who were fantastic. They were very, very good indeed. I have family in the band. Yes. <laughs> um, I just think they're good. Like, uh, So yeah, this. So we planned these two things separately and ended up going in a group of about 12. <laughs> but it was a great night. It was. It was a great night. And it is always nice to see you outside of podcast business. Very much so, much. Very much so. Yeah. I'm suffering a little bit today. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm pretty tired. But we'll get there. Have you been watching anything this <laughs> This week. Uh, I don't want to go into too much detail on this because we've already touched on it in the show, but I saw Pet Cemetery. Oh yeah, okay. I thought this was pretty good. General consensus seems to be a bit meh. Where do you? Good moments. Uh-huh. But I'm falling a little bit into the meh camp. Mm-hmm. Okay. Afraid, I've got yeah. to say. Yeah, I don't think that it's gonna harm the kind of the trend of Stephen King adaptations that we're getting right now. Oh good god, no. We're kinda of looking in the barrel of it chapter two right now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's gonna set the world on fire in a way that perhaps Pet Cemetery won't. Yeah, I think that's probably fair, but also I think that on the kind of uh, Stephen King adaptation spectrum, at least it's not The Dark Tower. <laughs> that is very much true, yeah, that is a one big pile of ass. Correct. <laughs> Anything else? Not much, uh, I did, uh, it's been out for a little while now, but uh, and I had actually bought it a while ago, but I hadn't, you know... I'm going to throw my hands up here and say that I am guilty of buying things and not watching them immediately. Okay, yeah, it's okay, we've all been there. <laughs> if you can believe that. But a few weeks back I did get my hands on Cult Films' new Blu-ray release of Dario Argento's Opera. Okay. Or Terror at the Opera, whichever whichever you prefer. Uh-huh. They're the same guys that put out the recent remaster of Suspiria as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've done another great job with this. It looks incredible. For my money, the last great Dario Argento film, or the last good Danny Argento film because <laughs> it's got a pile of issues with it that kind of stop it being great uh-huh. but it's certainly the last good one for my money okay yeah it's definitely worth a look some amazing features on there as well that go out and get it sweet add it to the, the, your pile of copies of opera that everyone's probably got because they, <laughs> they bring new shit out uh, just about every other year yeah <laughs> there it is um, I have a couple 
Right. Um, I had uh, I gave myself a night off from doing things uh, this week and double billed a couple of things that were on Netflix. Okay. Uh, both relatively recent additions. First up, I watched uh, The Lazarus Effect. Right, what's this? It's a Blumhouse film from 2015 directed by David Gelb, who has directed stuff previously, but like uh, the things that he's best known for, as far as I can see, is uh, directing a few episodes of Chef's Table for Netflix <laughs> and has okay. also done uh, the acclaimed documentary Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Oh, yeah, I, lo- I love Jiro Dreams of Sushi. So, um, so... Yeah, the Lazarus effect is uh, his foray into horror. Okay. Now a lot of things about this kind of sound okay. Cast is really strong. You've got um, Mark Duplass, Olivia Wilde, Sarah Bolger from uh, Emily, mm-hmm. um, Evan Peters, mm-hmm. Donald Glover. Oh, okay. So like, um, yeah, like pretty high caliber people here. What you have is a team of researchers and one documentarian. The documentarian is Sarah Bolger. Uh, mercifully, it's not a found footage film, despite having a documentarian in it. They are kind of, you know, the clues in the title. They're um, investigating ways to bring people back from the dead um, or revive people. Okay. Um, like flatliners? Kind of. Like, but basically what happens is, uh, fairly early on in it, one of the main characters dies and is resurrected. Okay. And it's kind of just about the kind of sinister chain of events that flow from that. It's mostly set inside the lab. I didn't like this at all. <laughs> Thought it was really boring. Thought that for a film that is about people kind of uh, coming back from the dead in a kind of darker or malign kind of way, mm-hmm. I thought that uh, it got surprisingly bogged down in like scientific research bureaucracy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what every horror film needs. Uh, um, yeah, can't get enough of that. Yeah, performance-wise, it's as you'd expect it to be. Everyone's pretty good because it's a, a really strong cast of really good people. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just like it's a very shop-worn story that um, they haven't really made any real attempt to improve on or change or contemporize in any way. It, it kind of like it, it's super lean. I would say it's like seventy-seven minutes plus credits or something. Holy fuck! It basically just feels like there's not an idea for a feature here. Um, and I've just padded it out with bureaucracy and pencil pushing. Um, I mean, to a large extent, amongst other things, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a couple of okay deaths in it and things like that, but like, uh, it's one to avoid. Also, and another new addition of like seems to have cropped up on Netflix in the last couple of weeks, the basement. Um, yeah, a couple of people have been talking about this, and I got you know it's one of those ones that uh, Netflix obviously you know they were obviously a little bit buzzed about it because they took the time to email me about it to tell me it was there. Um, <laughs> that was nice of them. Yeah, I thought it was kind. Um, so we have this is directed by uh, Brian M. Conley and Nathan Ives. So it's a directorial debut for Brian Conley, horror debut for Nathan Brian Ives. Conley, the the comedian, the British comedian. <laughs> the very same. <laughs> the IMDb synopsis for this mm-hmm. is a seemingly innocent man is abducted by a notorious LA serial killer who forces his victims to switch roles with him so he can enact his own capture, torture and murder. Could you not just murder the serial killer? Well, what you have here is a guy gets kidnapped near the start. A guy who's played by Caleb Long, who is doing fine work here. Sure. Uh, probably the strongest link in the chain. His wife in it is Misha Barton. Oh, yeah, okay. That's uh, a long-standing mark of quality. I was going to say, certainly uh, less so nowadays. Uh, yeah, no, um, uh, yeah, it's like kind of she's she's not doing very much here, but not given very much to do. I see. Um, but yeah, he is kidnapped by uh, Bill Anderson, Jackson Davis, who we first see in the form of um, a clown for some reason, which uh, barely the clown. Is it uh, just a kind of? It's it's I mean like a kind of Gacy esque weirdness that I mean, they've just put in there to be ultimately creepy. Uh, ultimately, yes. Cool. So you've got that, and um, basically, like I say, I mean, like he he comes in to the scene, re-enters the scene playing various characters throughout it, like you would like with someone who goes from being arrested for murder through to a death row trial. 
right. and like a death or an execution, should I say? So you have kind of like a policeman, cellmates, a mother, a lawyer, executioner, and so on. Okay. So I'm not saying that this film was made to capitalize on the success of Split because you know you don't know what the timeline was. With My Split ideas and stuff like that. Yeah, your Split. M Night Shyamalan Split. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, that seems more likely. So um, yeah, you don't, I mean you don't know who had an idea first. I certainly think that one of the reasons why this is seeing a little bit more of a push is because it has a similar central thing to Split in the sense that you have this one kind of like air quotes powerhouse performance that the rest of the film is kind of shackled to, or kind of uh, can't get out of the shadow of in the case of Split, in my opinion. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Because uh, so James McAvoy is great in Split. Yeah, I don't know. I think that the idea here is interesting. I don't mind the idea at all. Um, Performance-wise, it's pretty shaky. I think that the the guy um, who is doing the kind of multiple characters, the Bill character, okay. um, that is kind of fitfully successful. Some of the kind of some of the times he comes back in and other guys is really effective. Sometimes it's very, very silly. Uh, the twist at the end is punishingly dumb. Um, so yeah, I think that like there's more interesting stuff going on in the basement than there is in the Lazarus Effect. Um, I think that there's better ideas at its core and fresher ideas at its core, but execution's pretty ropey. But well, it's out there now. Um, and if you want to take a look at it, it's it's there. Netflix. So. Netflix, yeah, both of those, Netflix. Both, like I say, I think relatively recent editions, but they're out there if you want to check them out. To be honest, Mitch, I don't think I'm going to rush to either of them based on what you've just said. Well, I mean, after these ringing endorsements. Yes, yeah, pretty much. However, I did watch something this week that I did enjoy. Mitch, what's the shock man's 100? Return of the Living Dead. Oh, it's fucking great. First watch, loved it. First watch? Yeah. Brilliant. Of course, they're all first watches from this point I believe on. so, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's great. I um, think in particular, um, I love how, uh, you know, the three guys who are kind of... Oh, you're conti- like James Carden, Tom Matthews, yeah. and uh, Clue Gulliger. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that, like, they, especially the first half... Um, when you kind of meet them, I think that everything about that is so incredibly frantic and so bug-eyed, it's just, it's really difficult to not get swept up in that. You mean when they're, like, wrestling the yellow naked guy to the ground, Aye. the pickaxe him through the head and sawing him up, uh, was it, a, a rabid weasels? Yeah, it's so <laughs> great. Like, it's about, like I say, I mean, everything about that, it, it, it gets so feverish so quickly yeah. that it's really, really difficult to not get caught up in that and kind of just in, in the just in the spirit of it. And I definitely did. Also, there's a mention, long-standing hero of this podcast mm. Demon ah Miguel Nunez Jr uh, yeah. and not just him uh, Mark Venturini from Friday the 13th part 5 Vic is in there as well he plays Suicide <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah a couple of uh, a couple of long standing favourites from this podcast <laughs> appearing in it yeah no I had a lot of fun with it really really liked it um, it's one of the ones I could, my, most likely to see myself going back to I think it's really good it's consistently funny it ends in such a dark empty note <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just I absolutely 100% love Return of the Living Dead. I think it was one of the earliest films that uh, I forced my wife to watch when we met, right. when we kind of started seeing each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's absolutely riot. wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it's cracking. Uh, so who knows what next week will bring as I <laughs> uh, continue to battle valiantly through the Shockwaves 100. But you're yeah chipping away now. Yeah, past the halfway point. It feels like you're making some kind of some kind of headway now. I'm showing distance 70. percent Well. You know, I think it's pretty good. That's going. pretty good going. Um, however, moving swiftly on. Do, 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 do. What have they been saying? They've been saying a hell of a lot. Um, so I have actually I had to trim this down a little bit this week. Um, so apologies if we don't get around to everything. 
Yeah, we can move some stuff into next week. Yeah, of course. But um, a big thank you to everybody who has been getting in touch about Ice Cream Man. <laughs> and, uh, of course, a big thank you to Life Changer director Justin McConnell, who joined us to talk um, about that one with us as well. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I just want to thank Justin for actually picking Ice Cream Man, because it is one that's pretty out there and that a lot of people definitely won't have even heard of. Yeah, and it's also undeniably a conversation starter. But yeah, For uh, better or worse. For, yeah. Um, although one person who had heard it before, uh, Dangerous Board on Instagram, getting in touch simply just saying, another joy from my younger days when we announced it. <laughs> uh, which, is, which is cool, it's nice. Um, also, uh, Laura Bynan, uh, Bynan LV. Mm-hmm. on Twitter. Enjoy this. Uh, this was uh, just on Friday evening for uh, date stamp purposes, by the way. We are recording this on uh, Saturday afternoon. We are, and it's an, a lovely sunny day in Glasgow. Yeah, it's very warm. Very yeah. warm. But um, yeah, we got um, um, a nice wee peek behind the curtain to the evening that Laura had planned uh, <laughs> yesterday. Uh, she said, just a quick word of warning before we get going. I have curry, wine, and strong violent PC doing ice cream, man. Let's have it. Is that a little... Uh... A little jab at our episode openings. A nod to our episode <laughs> openings, certainly. Uh, I've got loads of stuff on Ice Cream Man. You got anything else? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kim Morrison at Wicked Sister 69 got in touch to say, I watched Ice Cream Man on my lunch break to get ready for Strong Violent PC. I sort of hate myself. I have a lot of questions and I'm pretty sure I never want to eat ice cream ever again. That repulsion for ice cream goes away. <laughs> says a man who has recently eaten ice cream <laughs> yeah, speak, speaking as a man who has eaten ice cream in the last 48 hours uh, yeah that's short lived Kim don't worry about it uh, but I think there are a lot of questions and yeah I, I mean like undeniably and I can certainly understand the short term loathing or uh, repulsion that ice cream might cause you Yes, absolutely. I can 100% understand that. You got anything else? I got a couple more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hanny at Hanny underscore Ray getting in touch to say, Great episode, guys. Such a weird movie. But learning more about the director actually explains a lot. <laughs> I suppose it does. Yeah, we touched on uh, the director's colourful resume <laughs> in the episode. Yes, um, I believe that to directly quote Justin, uh, he's made 125 films and 124 of them are uh, adult films. Yeah, and we neglected to mention my personal favourite title, Hungry Holes. Good grief. (laughs) Check it out. Wow. (laughs) Um, James Patrick Duffy on Facebook. Watched this at half seven this morning. This was yesterday. It's now 4pm. Still no idea what I watched, what I think of what I watched, or who I am as a person after watching it. Bizarro, to say the least. Um, Agreed on all counts. Yeah, yeah, it's a fucking strange, strange film. Uh, Stevie at Film Fan Stevie getting in touch to say that's an experience you definitely need to watch the film before listening to tomorrow's episode of Strong Violent PC I guess not every day is a happy 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 day Um, well yeah that's certainly true in the life of Gregory the Ice Cream Man yes absolutely and um, a concluding point on Ice Cream Man from me and fittingly from Justin himself Ah. got back in touch uh, and uh, he wanted to retract and correct something okay uh, from the podcast and you know we're all about transparency here we do love our attraction haven't had to do one in a while touch wood but like um uh, and thankfully this one wasn't actually us no but justin got in touch and like we were talking about john michael vincent in this film yeah sure and mm-hmm. um about the fact that um his performance is kind of like we're talking we're talking about kind of like some of the darker undercurrents of what was going on in his personal life around um the about alcoholism and, yeah. but yeah justin got in touch and said i'm sure it was said in the disc commentary that john michael vincent's son died in an accident on the airwolf set but doing further research it was an unrelated stuntman should have dug deeper than the commentary anecdote my mistake and retraction 
Well, I'm going to give Justin a pass on that because he was only passing on what the commentary said. Yeah, if, yeah, it's it's. I, I think that the um, I think that the culpability for the uh, for the wrongness there doesn't lie with him. Presumably lies with Norman Epstein. Yeah, 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 or whoever, or the, yeah, whoever it was, it was on the commentary track. Yeah, yeah, I believe it is Epstein himself. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, so I appreciate him getting in touch and re- and uh, kind of kind of writing the ship on that one. But yeah, I would say don't beat yourself up, man. No, absolutely <laughs> not. No, yeah, no. I have got some other things, including uh, Devil's Advocate. I've got some stuff on Dead Silence and something coming in on Johnny Mnemonic. Right, in that case, let's go with the Dead Silence stuff first then. Okay. Uh, Sheridan Knott at Knotsy getting in touch to say, Question to Watchfires Mitch. Oh, I'm listening. <laughs> After listening to At Strong Violent PC covering Dead Silence, should people start sending ventriloquist dummies to Andy Make Stuff? This is actually leading on to an interesting point. I was going to say, also, you intervened and advised him to not waste his postage, because, yeah, any dolls that you get sent will be uh, swiftly in the furnace. Incinerated. Yes. Yeah. Please don't. <laughs> Please do not start sending me terrifying dolls. Yeah, we'd rather you didn't do that. No, just don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, and I've noticed a, a worrying trend cropping up of people sending us photos of sinister dolls. Ha! <laughs> yeah, we have had a couple of those. Yeah, by all means, keep them coming, but do not send them to my house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it was kind of weird, actually, that there was an entire subculture of our listener base who could just produce on demand pictures of creepy dolls that they own. <laughs> but uh, but thank you all the same. Although I've got to say, I'm suspicious. Uh, one of those photos that was produced came from Tony uh-huh. on Stanto, so I'm suspicious uh, of the veracity of the image. Oh, it would not surprise me yeah. if that's actually in his house. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I have one take Dunin at Johnny Organ. Oh, of Twitter, course, yes. Um, who got in touch with some kind words about us hitting the hundred? Thank you for that. But also, um, on Devil's Advocate, I think Keanu, as Keanu goes in movies, didn't deserve the slaughtering. I think this is one of his best performances, actually, despite the accent. Well cast in the role. Always thought that, and don't think that much about him pre two thousand. Second viewing confirmed it. Also, he said, re-invisible runners, etc. I think you missed the point about New York being pretty much 80% demons in the movie. The devil's been at work and all set for the Millennium Battle, or at least pretending that he is. So that's an interesting take. Interesting take. And yeah, um, yeah, if that's indeed the case, then maybe we did miss something more more vital. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time. No, it would not. But uh, I've got to say, Johnny Organ, I cannot agree. About Keanu. About Keanu here. I, I, I really don't think he's doing particularly great work at I, all. No, I am. Um, I, I also, I struggled with it quite Even by his standards. Yeah. However, thank you very much for getting in touch and thanks for listening as always. Yes, of course. Um, I am done, apart from feedback of a very particular persuasion. Do you have anything else? I do not. So without further ado, let me squawk into my mic. It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. <gasps> he will Photoshop out any titles, taglines, any uh, text of any description. Only the central image will remain. I will, to the best of my ability, describe the image to you. I'll also give it a title and a synopsis. We will share the picture also to all of our social media channels so you can play along at home to that end. Yes, indeed. And I'll just to preface this by saying, yet another quite simple image this week. Mitch. Oh, cool. Okay, cool. Yeah. And it was a very simple one last week. Dolls. <laughs> um, reappropriated by me. I sidestepping the fact that the doll looked like Michael Jackson. I uh, turned it into a, a Christmas horror film, Fix the Dolls with Eyes of Holly. <laughs> I still think you made a terrible mistake. No regrets. Because I had a feeling that... <laughs> That our listeners might pick up the slack <laughs> on on the Michael Jackson thing. And can I assume then that that was indeed the case? Let's just go through some of them, shall okay. we? Right. Hanny underscore Ray on Twitter. Uh, I really like this, actually. Susie sees a lot. <laughs> 
<laughs> Tagline, the newest must-have kids toy is watching you. I like that. Yeah, yeah like I'm quite that. into that. We also have uh, Kevin Matthews, correctly identifying the film as Dolls. He's pr- got a pretty good eye for these things, as Kevin. Mm-hmm. Often gets it right. Well, this could be the Glasgow reworking of Dolly Dearest, featuring a doll that loves to go out with the house every weekend, pluck out her own, own eyes, and fill up each empty socket with Smirnoff ice contents while she dances to 80s hits. Title, Go On Your Cell Doll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that, and I love a Smirnoff Ice, yeah. unashamedly. I, 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 I'm, I'm quite into that. Caitlin, scared sheepless on Twitter, um, somewhere on the Michael Jackson theme. Uh, a well-worn sex doll turns sentient under the light of a full moon and vows revenge against her captor. 1978's gritty Billie Jean is not your lover. <laughs> Two more. Okay. Andrew Barron. Yes, of course. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Andrew. After one facelift too many, wealthy socialite Ophelia Hyman is literally coming apart at the seams. To keep her place on the social ladder and stop herself looking like a pig's bladder, Ophelia is transforming her Beverly Hills mansion into a sorority house for poor college-aged orphans to keep herself in constant supply of fresh young body parts. One by one, she'll have to keep slashing if she's going to stop the tongues of the other society ladies from lashing. Some people will do anything to save face in 1986's so-so classic Hollywood Wives from Hades 2, Bitches Get Stitches. <laughs> Can I just say, I was 100% in on the ti- on the actual synopsis of that. Yeah, it's a great. Real film, I, I would watch that. Yeah, I'm also in on the title. Um, <laughs> Tony Constantini then. Right, sure. You can tell where this is going within the first four words. When an HBO documentary oh, right. <laughs> threatens to destroy the reputation of the greatest pop star who ever lived, retired ventriloquist and amateur medium Albert Corkscrew <laughs> seeks the truth about his idol from his misshapen, murderous, monstrous, dentally deficient, demented dummy and bestest buddy, Billy Jeans. <laughs> However, Billy Jeans is not a Jacko lover. He's just some doll who claims the doc got it wrong and those kids just hate his songs. But he's a killer and it's killer night and no one's going to save the HBO crew from his knife in this new thriller from M. Night. You'll never see the twist until you're fighting for your life in 2019's Toothed Criminal. <laughs> eye for an eye, tooth for the truth, don't stop till you get enough proof. <laughs> So there you go. <laughs> and that concludes our um, our batch of pitches. Uh, I'm going to have to give it to Tony again this week, I think. Fair news. That was Andrew Barron running a close second there. Oh, very much so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it's a 50-50 toin cost situation. Toin cost? It's a 50-50 coin toss situation, Mitch. Yeah, I think Andrew Barron, I think possibly the better synopsis. Oh, for sure. Uh, in terms of the actual story. Yeah. Uh, Tony going over and above with the, uh, the lyric parodies. The word play. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot of alliteration in there. Now, just very quickly, actually, seeing as we've been on such a hot doll tip lately, before we go too far into Mitch's pitches, mm-hmm. have you seen the trailer for the new Child's Play film? I have, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, a new trailer for that dropped uh, just this past week, didn't yes, it? Yes, it did. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Thoughts? I think it looks really good. I am, I'm pretty up for it. I also think that, like, uh, well, before we go any further, what do you think? I'm quietly optimistic. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I I think it looks quite good. I think it looks like schlocky nonsense, and I'm into it. I noticed that there's been a decent amount of backlash, certainly in some of the social media stuff that I've come across, about the fact that there is an element of the fact that um, Chucky is kind of like an Alexa almost, like it, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, it can control or he can control other like branded devices in your house. I mean, a lot of people like um, seem to be kind of kicking up a little bit of a fuss about that. I think it's a cool idea. And I also think that if you're trying to contemporize something like this, then this is an okay way to do it. 
Yeah, I think so. I'm, I've got. I don't really have a massive problem with that, to be honest. I, I mean, think it's a fun idea. I, I think it, it just it opens up a whole world of possibilities what you could do with it, and I think it, it'll be fun. It adds a new dimension to a kind of well-trodden character, to be honest. I totally agree. I totally agree. And the trailer goes out with a little snippet of Mark Hamill yeah. as the voice of Chucky. Which I'm also pretty into. That's I'm into cool. it, and I like that it's close to Brad Dourif, but without being like an imitation. It's yeah. kind of somewhere between Brad Dourif and the Joker. Ah, it seems like he's getting it pretty right to my ear. The only thing that I've got a slight reservation about in there is that there is, and it's a split second thing mm-hmm. in the trailer, but at one point, the kind of like the main kid goes, we have to stop him, and you get this split second shot of four kids in an alleyway. Oh, they're all tooled up with like uh, sledgehammers. And... Like, please don't give me another Kids on Bikes film. <laughs> Don't give me another Kids on Bikes film. I mean, like, I, I think that, like, I think that we should have drawn a line under Kids on Bikes films after Summer of '84 because that was about as good as it was going to get. Okay, right. Well, I mean, we're facing down another series of Stranger Things in a couple of months as well. Yeah, so. it's creeping up. Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, expect Kids on Bikes films to disappear quite yet. No, I wouldn't imagine so. <laughs> I wouldn't imagine so. Anyway, sorry, we digress. Back to Mitch's pitches. The matter at hand yes. this week. Okay. Are you ready? Uh, hit me. I'll send you the image here. Like I say, it is quite a simple one. Okay. It's on its way. Wow. Okay. Okay. And this is, yeah, I mean, you're right. This is simple. Uh, this image has no background. Well, it does, but there's a plain, it's a plain black background. There's nothing going on. Yeah, there is an absence of background. Yeah. All we have here is the image of what looks to be a stuffed monkey, <laughs> or certainly a monkey doll. Yeah. Holding a kind of, uh, kind of cleaver in its right hand. I'm going to tell you, Mitch, that's that's like an open razor. Right. So we have um, a stuffed monkey holding a open razor. <laughs> uh, a letter opener. Or a letter opener, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, like if you use your open razor to open letters, it becomes a letter opener. Um, yeah, it's, it's holding this kind of this, this razor in its right hand and looking kind of menacingly into the camera and it is also wearing a kind of red and darker red or maroon striped trousers and a red waistcoat. No mention at all of its claws, its teeth, its absolutely wild eyes. I just said menacingly, I suppose, but yeah, no, it is. It's um, it's it's uh, it's 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 kind of flaring its mouth open, and you can see uh, two rows of very sharp teeth. Yeah, you're right. It's it's. I mean, it's, it's absolutely bug-eyed. <laughs> it looks incandescent with rage. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly that. Um, okay, I will need a minute. Yeah. I see you're looking quite confident. Yeah, we'll see. I'm very tired. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, I think I'm there. With the threat of foreclosure looming for his struggling barber business, Basil <laughs> Collingwood attempts to buy an extravagantly dressed stuffed monkey named Leon from a roadside stall as a gift for his daughter Betsy in an attempt to cheer her up. <laughs> However, after failed attempts to haggle and an unpleasant exchange with the mysterious salesman, the encounter ends with Basil punching him and fleeing with the monkey. He comes home and business booms, but little does he know that the salesman has cursed the monkey in retribution. As Basil's regulars begin appearing in the shop with their throats cut, it's up to him to isolate the threat and defeat Leon once and for all. All this and more in 1993's micro-budget horror sequel, Short Back and Die 2, Perms, Pain and Primates. 
Wow. Wow. So I'm going to hazard a guess that that might be a little off. A little bit, but surprisingly kind of also correct. Okay, hit me. Uh, the year, in this case, is 1988. Okay. You might okay. actually have heard of this. You might even have seen it. I don't know. Um, but it's George A. Romero's Monkey Shines. I know that name. I haven't seen it. Right. Okay. Yep. Of course. Naturally. <laughs> Recently got a pretty good release as well from Eureka. Oh, did it? Cool. Yeah. But however, would you like to know what Monkey Shines is about? Oh, you better. When Alan becomes a quadriplegic, he loses all hope for living until he meets Ella, a monkey trained to fetch and carry for him around the house, obeying him and all things. But Ella is part of another experiment, and when she starts responding to Alan's underlying rage and frustration, she has the ability to carry out her master's darkest wishes. Oh, okay. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Is it good? Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. That's like it's, a, it's hardly up there with Romero's best. Ah, okay. But in terms of monkey helpers gone wild films... Uh-huh, that vibrant uh, subgenre. Well, I can only think of that in Phenomena off the top of my, <laughs> okay. uh, off the top of my head. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I, I prefer it to Phenomena. Okay, okay, <laughs> say no more. Uh, that concludes Mitch's Pitches for this week. The image is everywhere now. Head on to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, pick your poison. Get on there and get pitching. Yes. So, before we move on to um, taking a look at what's going on for uh, episode 50 mm-hmm. this week, I want to touch on a couple of things. First off, I want to say a big hello and thank you to uh, Darren Gaskell. Yes, of course. Yes. Hi, Darren, and thank you for taking the time to sit down with Mitch and I and uh, have a little chat. Yeah, Darren took the time to have a chat with Andy and me about the podcast and some other things uh, just this past week for the Horror Assist. We've put the link to that all over all of our social media channels, so go and check that out if you, for some reason, get to the end of this and decide that you want more of us. <laughs> and by the way, massive kudos to Darren for picking through the power of shit that we talked to pick out the most salient points. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's, a, he's a skilled uh, amongst his other many many talents. He is a skilled editor. Yeah, he's a nonsense remover. Yes, and a giggle suppressor. <laughs> <laughs> both of those things absolutely but yeah that's everywhere so um if that sounds like something you might be interested in then go take a wee look at that now um i want to take a look at a couple of things just want to like for uh for people's information uh just want to mention a couple of things that are coming to uk streaming platforms this week what's this you're doing now is this this thing that you've talked about doing in the past yeah you finally pulled it together I followed through on it oh okay so um in the like i say in the uk i mean i'm uh, i understand the streaming situation is different in different territories but 80 percent of our listeners come from the uk so uh, <laughs> to anybody who finds it a little bit alienating i apologize but for uh, for uk listeners um we have got this week uh, coming to Netflix on the twenty second of April. Mm-hmm. We have got uh, Down a Dark Hall, okay, uh, which is a drama fantasy horror. Um, your IMDb synopsis there is a troubled team named Kit Gordy is forced to join the exclusive Blackwood boarding school just to find herself trapped by dark forces around its mysterious headmistress, Madame Dure. They've got Anna cool, Sophia Robb. Uh, well, I guess, <laughs> yeah, but you've got Anna Sophia Robb uh, in there. Also, Uma Thurman. Uh, Isabel Thurman from uh, Orphan, which yep. we've been talking about a little bit recently. Uh, also, I believe Rosie Day, who festival fans will know from The Season in from House. The Season in House, and, yeah. Uh, Howl and pretty, actually, pretty much all of Paul Hyatt's Paul Hyatt stuff, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's been doing a lot of really interesting stuff, uh, yeah. both horror and otherwise, over the last little while. So, I actually yeah, think she's really so. good. I think she's a really good actress. She is very good, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there, that's there from Monday, 22nd. Okay. Uh, Netflix, again, April 26th. Now, from this past Friday, 
Um, Dragged Across Concrete is in cinemas everywhere. Yeah, mixed reviews on Dragged Across Concrete. Yeah, but it's that's Craig Zahler's new film. It is. Yeah. Um, and if you're wanting to get yourself caught up on his other stuff, uh, before you check that out, obviously Bone Tomahawk is out there. But on the 26th of April, Brawl and Cell Block 99 that comes to Netflix. Which I loved. I've talked about it way, way back. I'm kind of hoping that I will be in a, situ- uh, in a position to talk about that next week. Mm-hmm. Tr- Going to try and catch it. Although I'm just realising that I'm very busy next weekend, so maybe the week after, <laughs> who knows. Uh, but yeah, I'll be making some time for that. Also, I've been reading a couple of things pointing to the fact that although we are apparently not getting a UK physical release of this, weirdly, Luca Guadagnino's Suspiria comes to Amazon Prime on Friday as well. Oh, really? Yes. And very interesting. Yeah. That's disappointing, though, that there's not a, a UK physical release coming because that's probably something I would have got my hands on. I, I know there's... There's a real appetite for it, I think. Yeah, yeah, I would absolutely agree. And I know there's a lot of kind of different physical releases out there. I think there's like an Italian one, there's a German one, there's loads flying around on eBay right now. And of course the the American one, which I think is uh, region locked. But yeah, I'm I'm really surprised actually that they they haven't taken the, the punt on a on a physical release of this. Yeah, I'm surprised by that as well. But um, yeah, I think it's coming to other territories in the 3rd of May, so possibly by way of compensation for the lack of physical. We're getting it a week early, so that's April 26th. Right. Uh, Suspiria 2018 comes to Amazon Prime. So yeah, that's a couple of things that are coming to the streaming services this week if you're trying to map out your viewing for the week. Cool. So, all that's left to do, I believe, is turn our attentions to episode 50. Now, episode 50, of course, is a bit of a special one. I would say so. It does mark the one-year anniversary of strong language and violent scenes uh so one a week for 50 weeks we took two weeks off at christmas but we've been talking about what we were going to do for episode 50 for quite a while and i think we'll put together something that's going to be a lot of fun (laughs) so um we have a returning guest yeah. One of our very earliest guests and um, responsible for an episode with a peculiar amount of staying power. Uh, weeks of, <laughs> like 46 weeks later, it is still right up there, the top three or four most downward of all time on the show. You may know him from the podcast Under the Stairs, which he hosts. Or yes. Also, episode four of this show, Rawhead Rex. We are once again being joined in person by the man, the legend, the podcast producing machine that is Duncan McLeish. Yeah, 30-odd episodes a month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's nothing to this man. Absolutely not. No, no, no. And taking some time out from uh, his very busy schedule to stop by and talk about which film with us? A film that nowadays might leave a bit of a bad taste in people's mouths. Yeah, I would say that's probably true. <laughs> it's Desmond Harrington, Keira Knightley, M. Beth Davids, and of course, Thora Birch, it's Nick Ham's The Hole. Oh my god. <laughs> We're talking about the whole. Yeah, this one uh, is wild. Uh, yes, uh, that is a way of putting it. It is also rentable. It is, in yes. In the UK, uh, on, certainly on Amazon. Yeah. Um, and presumably elsewhere. But yeah, you can get a hold of it if you want to get a watch the type of the show. So this Friday, Duncan McLeish joins us to talk the whole. Yeah, our one-year episode. Our one-year episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We would like to hear from you uh, between now and then. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please do. It is Facebook and Instagram, Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC or email Scenes at gmail.com. Yeah, of course, there are tons of places you can listen. Is that a fact? It's a fact, Mitch. Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Acast, TuneIn, and our home, Podbean. A wealth of options. And don't forget, whichever option you go for, go on and do us a favour and maybe give us a rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Yeah, we could do with some more of that on iTunes, please. So if anyone is listening on iTunes, please, please, please give us a rate and review on there. Yeah, it'd be greatly appreciated. Yeah, but um, over and above anything else, thanks to you all for listening. 
We will be back on Friday. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.